Thank you very much. The Tanakh tells us that HaKadosh Baruch who instituted when he created the world and that he himself doesn't violate is not interested in violating the, uh, the laws of nature on the rare occasions that HaKadosh Baruch does a nest he makes a miracle so the Talmud tells us he's not going to make a nest unnecessarily there must be some major need for this miracle what was the background of the miracle of the Pach Hashemin? So the Talmud tells us that the din requires, the Chumash requires, that when you bring a korban in the Beis Amigdosh, the korban should be brought in a state of tahara. And the burning of the oil in the menorah is also considered like hakrovas hakorban. And the Allah requires that the oil should be tahor. And when the Hashmanoim came back into the Beis Amigdosh, they noticed that all of the oil was, uh, all the containers of oil were open, and they were all, uh, they assumed that everything was probably tummy. There was only one little container that was closed, and that container was only enough oil for one, burning, lighting for one night. And it would take uh, seven, eight days until they'd be able to get uh, from the location that they always got the oil. It would take seven, eight days. So a miracle occurred, caused a miracle to occur. And a little bit of oil that they had that was only enough for one day lasted for eight days. The uh, commentaries on the Gemara are all bothered with a famous kasha, the Pnei Yeshua on the Dav quotes his kasha, that the halacha says that uh, any korban that has to be brought on this specific day, and if it's of a yom or bottle korban, if you don't bring the korban today, then you can't bring it tomorrow, next week. There's no tashlumen. So the halacha says such a korban, shizmanu kavua, is dechetumen. The halacha says you're permitted to bring the korban even if it happens to be tome, even if it's in the state of tume. We usually use the expression korban tzibur, a korban tzibur is dechatuma. And the Mishnah explains in the beginning of the second parakant that it's not exactly uh, accurate, 100% accurate. Usually, korbanas uh, tzibur like tamidim and musafim are zmanokavua. You have to bring the korban today and you can't bring it tomorrow. And usually a korban yochid is ein zmanokavua. A private korban that a private person brings. If he doesn't kumach nishtai, kumach mok. If he doesn't make the korban today, he can bring the korban tomorrow. Once in a while you have a korban sibu which is ain zmano kavua, and once in a long while you have a korban yochid which is zmano kavua. So the Mishnah says that this halacha, uh, that if, if you're not able to bring the korban in the state of tahara, you bring it in the state of tumah, is not really a function of korban sibu, uh, public korban versus a korban yochid, it's really a function of korban shizmano kavua as opposed to korban shein zmano kavua. So the commentaries on the Gemara is this kasha every day it is required to light the menorah in the Beis Amigdash and the burning of the candles and the, the burning of the oil in the menorah is considered like offering of a carbon. So since this is a carbon shizmano kavua, if you don't light the candles today, you have to light tomorrow because it's tomorrow, not because it's today. So if it's a carbon shizmano kavua, so the din is that you're permitted to bring it in the state of tumah. The lays bare, you have no choice. So why was it necessary for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to change the laws of nature and to make a miracle if Ta'alacha says you can, bring the, you, can, you can light the candles even with Shem and Tomei? This is the famous Kasha of the Pnei Yishua. So the Pnei Yishua answers is famous. Many different answers are given. So Pnei Yishua gives a famous answer. He says, true, that is correct. Ta'alacha says if you have no bravery, you can bring the carbon in the state of Tumah and you can light the menorah even though the Shem will be Tomei. But it certainly is is considered an incomplete kiyam mitzvah. The mitzvah is considered more bishle musa. He, he calls it the mitzvah is more mahudar. Mitzvah is more mahuderis if, if the korban is brought in the state of tahara. But it's not only more mahuderis. Mahudar means you yoy to the mitzvah like this, but if you do it the other way, it's fancier. It's not a question of fancier. The mitzvah is considered more bishle musa, 
and the Kodan is often in a state of Tahara. And the Mishnahis give us there are differences between a Korban which is offered in a state of Tuma as opposed to a Korban which is offered in a state of Tahara. Take for example, just uh, one example, the Mishnahis say, let's say on every Yomtep, every Rosh Chodesh, on Chalamoid, whenever you bring the Musafim, so you always bring a, a soil Lachatos, you always bring a Korban Chatos. The Korban Chatos, you burn a little bit of the fat on the Mizbech and the rest of the Chatos, the flesh of the Besar HaChatos is supposed to be eaten by the Kohanim, on Belayla Atchatzos. So the Mishnah tells us that if the Korban Chatos was offered in the state of Tumah, the Kohanim were Tomei, or, or the stuff that the Dham was Tomei, whatever, so the Yoyotze the Korban, but the Kohanim are not permitted to eat the Korban, because the Kiyama Mitzvah is incomplete. The complete fulfillment of the Mitzvah is when, when everything is brought in the state of Tahara. So the Pnei Yeshua says, HaKadosh Baruch wanted to demonstrate to Bnei Yisrael that he cherishes us, he loves us so much that he wants to give us the ability, the, the opportunity to fulfill a mitzvah bishle musa. True, we would have been stuck, we would be able to fill, fulfill a mitzvah of musa by burning tommy dika oil, but it's preferable to do the mitzvah bishle musa to use tahar dika oil. And that's why the Pnei Shuvah suggests, that's why this mitzvah, unlike all other mitzvah, this mitzvah was instituted by the, by the Chachamim with a, with a built-in clause that the basic mitzvah can be fulfilled by lighting one candle every night. And if you want to be more mahadir, you light more than that. If you want to be mahadrin, mina mahadrin, you light the way we all do. The first night you light one candle, the second night you light two candles, aside from the shamas, third night you light three candles, and so on and so forth. What did they institute in the initial takana? They instituted as part of the takana that you have a form of mahadrin and a form of mahadrin and mahadrin, because, so the Pnei explains, because the whole miracle was only necessary in order to fulfill the mitzvah, bihidura, bishlei musa, in a mahudadika fashion. And that's what uh, the Chafetz Chaim writes in his uh, Mishnah Bure, that many people have the attitude, ah, what's so bad if the tefillin is a little rubbed off, so it's not, uh, it's not so uh, sharp on the corners on top. Eh, square anyway. And the, and, the, and the black is a little rubbed off, so it's half white. And the talus is old and uh, worn out, so it's a yellow talus. Oh, what? A kosher talus is yoytzeh the mitzvah. What's it? What? The Rebbeinu Shalom needs fancy, fancy, delancy. What's wrong if it uh, doesn't look so great? And you have different kinds of mezuzahs. So what do you have to spend forty-five dollars on such a fancy mezuzah? If you get the tiny mezuzahs for ten dollars, also kosher, kosher b'diyevit. So what do I have to spend so much money to have a mahudadik mezuzah? And so on and so forth, and all mitzvahs like that. Uh, esrig, you can get an esrig for, for $25, you can get an esrig for $75. What do you have to spend so much money for? You get an esrig for $25, it'll also be kosher. So the Chavetz Khan writes, no. There's Allah, you have to fulfill the mitzvah. It's an important, it's an important thing. Look, the Rabbani Shalom made a miracle in order that we should fulfill the mitzvah bihidura. He could have fulfilled the mitzvah shalom bihidura without any miracles, and the Rabbani Shalom doesn't do miracles unnecessarily. So apparently this is a major need. We should talk about fulfilling mitzvahs bishlei muslan and bihidurim. Years ago, the Rabbani used to give us a marshal. I remember as a child, the Rebbe used to give us a marshal. Uh, would you wear your shoes without polishing your shoes? So how can you wear tefillin that you didn't polish? The marshal doesn't work today. <laughs> A, a lot of I'm walking around now with shoes uh, I should have polished a long time ago, but the tefillin is a tefillin that uh, we got to polish the tefillin and we had a, we have to polish up the the mezuzahs also. We have to polish everything up. We should fulfill the mitzvah bishlei musa and the hidura. So this is the one discussion that the Pnei Yeshua raises 
he quotes it from the Chacham Tzvi. What was the need for the mitzvah? What was the need for the miracle? The Bosham doesn't do miracles unnecessarily. What was the need for the miracle? If the Allah says that a Korban Shizman may be brought in the state of Tumas, so he explains, no, it was necessary in order to fulfill a mitzvah Bishlein Musa. But there's yet another question that's much more serious and more fundamental. There is a Mishnah in Adias, which is, and most of us don't study Adias, but the Marb Sochim we do read. So in the end of the first parak in Sochim, usually we don't read that part. So give Rabbi Hanin is Ganakai. So, but it's uh, more familiar from the Gemara Mstachim than it is from the Mishnah Nevi. So, so the Talmud quotes this Mishnah that Yosi ben Yoezer was one of the uh, Zukais. He was one of the early, early Tanoim. Bef- uh, soon after the Nes So this Tana, Yosi ben Yoezer, makes a statement and his opinion is accepted that the liquids in the Beis Amigdosh are just not Mechabal period. The oil in the Beis Amigdosh is not the Kabbal Tumah. Mashkin Beimat Vachayo. He says it in Aramaic. Usually the Mishnahis are written in Hebrew. And this Mishnah, he, he, he presents his statement in Aramaic. That was apparently the spoken language. He says the Mashkin and the Beis Amigdosh are simply not the Kabbal Tumah. So, so this is a bigger kasha. This is a bigger kasha. Not what was the need for the miracle. He could have fulfilled the mitzvah Shalom Bishlei Musa by using Tomedik Hashemen. No, if the shaman is just not Makabal Tumah at all, so, so the whole story doesn't make any sense. The whole story is a mistake. There's no such thing as shaman Tumah in the base Amig. The shaman is a mashke, and mashke in liquids are Makabal Tumah, beverages, liquids are Makabal Tumah outside of the base Amigdash. But if the shaman is in the base Amigdash, so the Tanaim had a tradition that it's not Makabal Tumah at all. So what was the need for the miracle? This is Akashia that's discussed by later Pasuk. So there are several suggestions that are given. And one of the famous answers is given by the Beis Yitzchak, not the Yeshiva publication, Beis Yitzchak. Uh, the Beis Yitzchak was a, a Galatiana Poisik, a major Poisik, Rabbi Yitzchak Shmelke. She was the Robin Lemberg a long time ago, 150 years ago. So he writes in his Shavuot Shuvis, correct, that's what Yosef Ben Yoezer says. That was his opinion. But in the days of the Hashmonoim, uh, there were other Rabbanim. The Hashmanoim were before Yosef ben Yaz. At the time of the Hashmanoim, the accepted opinion was that the Mashkim and the Beis Amigdosh are Makabal And if the Shemin is Makabal he simply cannot use it for the purpose of Hadlok HaSamanur. So, and even though just a generation or two later, the Psak was reversed, very often you have a Mishnahist like that. In one, there's a Mishnah Rishonah and a Mishnah Akhreda. means in one generation, the consensus of opinion among the Rabbanim was one way. And Mishnah means in a later generation, 20, 30, 50 years later, 100 years later, the cycle is reversed and you have sometimes to go back and forth. And then it's reversed back again. Many different issues in the Talmud. And Dinam Der Reis as well as Dinam Der Abana. So even though the accepted opinion, Halacha Lamaise, from the time of Yosef Ben Yezer till later, Ad, Ad Ayoy Mazer, until today, the Psak and the Ramam and the Gemara is, that the Mashkim and the Beis Amigdash are not Makabal Tumah, but at the time of the Chashmanoim, that was not the accepted opinion. So HaKadosh Baruch made a nest because, according to their opinion, the nest was necessary. Uh, but, but, I, but it's a question, but Alibadamis, but the truth of the matter was that the miracle was unnecessary. So why did Rabbi Shalom make a miracle? It was unnecessary. They made a mistake. The rabbis made a mistake. So the Beis Yitzchak writes, not that the rabbis made a mistake. There's a famous comment that the rabbis in the Talmud have that very often when you have a dispute, in the area of Torah Shabbat Peh, we have a principle that Eilu v'Eilu de'Vilikim Chai. We assume that both opinions 
have validity. Halacha lemaisa, you have to make up your mind when you're going to follow opinion A or opinion B. But it doesn't mean once you pass on like Yerse ben Yerzer, we have accepted that view that the Shemen and the Beis Hamikdash is simply not Mekabal Tumah at all. It doesn't mean that anybody who ever said otherwise made a mistake. No. At the time they held that it is Mekabal Tumah, that was the Halacha. In the later generation, when the Psaq was reversed, that is considered the Halacha. That's the principle that the Talmud has. The Talmud formulates this with respect to the many disputes between the Beis Shammai and the Beis Hilo. So the Gemara and Erevin, in the end of the first parak, makes such a statement that Elo Elu. The opinions of the Beisilil as well as the opinions of Beishamai, whichever opinion is accepted, usually the Beisilil's opinion is accepted, and in rare cases we pass them like the Beishamai. 24 cases we pass them like the Beishamai. So the Talmud tells us, even in the, even in the instance where someone's opinion is not accepted, we still consider it Divya Kimchai. And the Prost can say that it's not restricted only to the cases where there's a dispute between the Beisham and the Beisilil. It, it applies in many cases in areas of Torah Shabbat many cases we say that it's interesting that at the beginning of the period of the second temple there was a major change that was instituted in the Beis Amigdash regarding Hakrovas Karbanas in the Beis Amigdash the Talmud tells us in Gemara Zvachim uh, the Torah tells us very often what we say having the Siddur then you, when you bring Karbanas in the Beis Amigdash you have to bring in conjunction with the carbon, you have to bring a carbon, a flower that's called a Mincha uh, usually made from uh, flour from, made from wheat and once in a while made from barley and then you have an escape that you pour wine on the Mizbech exactly where and how do you pour that wine so for 410 years the whole period of the Baish Rishon they did Nisachayayin one way 70 years went by and the people still remembered there were people alive who remembered the first base on English the Tanakh tells us and Chagat Chaim Alafi and in Ezra Nechem, it says there were people who were alive who remembered, and they were crying when they saw it. The second base of not. There were people alive, and the Rabbanim certainly had a tradition how they did the pouring of the wine in the first base of Migdosh. But when they, when they built the second base of Migdosh, so they said, they put up a shingle under new management, and they decided to do Nisachayayin differently. They ignored the precedent of 410 years of how they did Nisachayayin during the period of the first temple. So the Svasemes, in his Chidushin man, Gemara Zerach Kasha, you mean to say that for 410 years they did it wrong? They were never yet to the mitzvah of Nisachayayin. They always did it. Later on it was Nisgala, it was, it was discovered in the beginning of the period of the Second Temple that they always did it wrong. He has a long, complicated terrace with Kabbalah, with Hasidus thrown in. He was a Chidush Irem. Usually the Chidushin Svasemis is on the Shas, is just plain halacha, dry halacha. And once in a long while, when he comments on Agoda, usually, this is Halacha, this is not Agoda. So he goes with Hasidus and Kabbalah, and he gets a little involved. But the simple answer, leaving out the, the Rebbe's answer, the simple answer is exactly this answer. Eilu v'yelu, divili kimchaim. What does it mean, eilu v'yelu, divili kimchaim? So the Ritvo and Erevin, on that Gemara, and Dafyut Gimel explains, he says, we have a tradition from our Rabbeim that what it means is the following. When Moshe Rabbeinu was on Hasinai, receiving the Torah for 40 days and 40 nights, and the Banu Shalom is telling him the dinim of Tzitzis and Tzvila and Shabbos and Kashras, and so on and so forth, so he, Moshe Rabbeinu asked him, what's the din in this case, and what's the din in that case? He has to know all the details to be able to transmit everything to the Bnei Yisrael. So the Banu Shalom said, that case is absolutely awesome. What's the din in this case? That case is Mutam. What's the din in this case? So the Rabbanu Shalom told him that's a gray area of halacha. It has elements of Isa, elements of Heta, has elements of Psul, elements of Hechsher, elements of Chiyav, elements of Ptur. And HaKadosh Baruch said, and I leave it up to the Chachmei HaTorah, Shebechol Dovador, to determine which element they think is the dominant element. And based on different perspectives, you can have, uh, I'm looking at this uh, shul, 
So I see a lot of people and a lot of benches in the walls and the clock on the wall. And so I, I have one perspective. The people sitting in the back row over there have a different perspective. We're all looking at the same thing. They have a di- totally different perspective. If somebody looking from that corner has a totally different perspective. All the perspectives are correct from their perspective. Everybody has a different The people looking from upstairs have, a, have a, right there, a different perspective. There's nothing incorrect about any of the perspectives. If you're looking at the same body of, of uh, information, if a person is blind on one eye and it doesn't see half of the shuls, let's say, uh, one knows, one knows Kalashas and the other one doesn't know. So he's blind on one eye. So you don't say, he's not entitled to an opinion. But we're talking about two Tamidachacham, Bishamai, Bishilu, Ablezer, Bishu, whatever. They're looking at the same body of information. They're looking at the whole Torah Shibichzab, the whole Tanakh. They're looking at the whole Torah Shibalpeh. And then there's a Shaila in a specific case. So Beishamai have one perspective. They still have a different perspective. And they're both correct. How can you say? It's not that somebody made a mistake. Somebody hit the nail on the head. He's right and the other one is wrong. It's not that one is right, one is wrong. It's a gray area. The Shalom told Moshe Rabbeinu Melechatchila. From day number one, this is a gray area of Halacha. He leaves it up to the Chachmei HaTorah Shibichol Dovador to paskin, to determine based on their perspective, whether they feel that the elements of Heter outweigh the elements of Isser, the elements of Isser outweigh the elements of Heter. So it's not a Pele. How can it be that for 410 years, the whole period of the Bais Rishon, that whenever Yoytze properly, the mitzvah of Nisach Hayayin, in the beginning of the period of the Second Temple, they changed it. Not they changed it, it was a mistake the first time. The Chachmei HaTorah during the period of the First Temple, Shleim HaMelech, Doben HaMelech, whoever set up the system, they passed in one way. And then after 410 years, there's no halacha that the later Rabbanim are bound by precedent. They can disagree with the, the, all the Rabbanim in the earlier generation. They were entitled to their opinion. The Rabbanim in the later generation were entitled to their opinion. So the same is true regarding this issue, whether the Shemen and the Beis Amigdash was Makabal Tuma, true, the accepted opinion in is from the days of Yosef Ben Yoezer the accepted view is that the Mashkin and the Beis Amigdash are not Tomei. And the Talmud gives a whole explanation why that's so in the end of the first Perikim Sochem. But during the period of the Hashmanoim, they didn't agree. They held that the Shemin of the Beis Hamikdash is Mikabal And at that time, that was the Psaq. So the Rabbanu Shalom made a miracle because of the fact that that was their opinion. I, but the Rabbanu Shalom maybe knows the future, and the future, the accepted Psaq, will not be so. It'll be reversed in another generation or two. That's in that generation. But Kozman, you're holding in the generation the Tkufa of the Hashmanoim. So the Psaq that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to go by was the Pesach of the Rabbanim the Rabbanim in your generation this concept of is very interesting this developed as a result of the fact that uh, there was a big what I mean to say is the following the uh, Sukim tell us in Sefer Dibayam that towards the end of the period of the first temple there was a king by the name of Yoshio HaMelech. Yoshio HaMelech was Gonez the Oron with the Luchos. He took the Oron which had the Aseris Adibah, the original author's copy, the Bunchlom's uh, autograph copy of the Aseris Adibah, and, uh, and he took the Oron and he put it in a special uh, room in the basement of the Beis Amigdash when Shlom HaMelech built the Beis Amigdash the Raman writes uh, in the beginning of Hilchus Beis Abchir, Shlomah built a special vault in the basement so that when the time comes, they should place the oil with the Luchas there. So the time came towards the end of the period of the first Beis Amigdash. What prompted Yoshio HaMelech to put the oil there? So we would have guessed, if, if we have to guess, we would have guessed. Look, he was afraid the enemy was going to come. They're going to destroy the Beis Amigdash. going to steal the Luchas. 
the author's copy, the original copy, the Rabban Shalom's autograph copy of the Aseris Adibis, he wanted to protect it. So the Pasuk says that's not the reason why. The Pasuk gives a different reason. Very unclear what the Pasuk is writing. There's something about Paskening Shilas. Very unclear what prompted Yoshio Amelech to put the Oren with the Luchas in the basement. So the Nitziv, the Nitziv was the Rosh Hashivah in Valozhin for the last uh, 39 years. Valozhin was the famous Yeshiva in Lithuania that lasted for uh, 90 years. So he was the Rosh Hashivah for the last 40 years, 39 years. That's the Valozhin that we, that we all know about. The Alex Valozhin, Akhain Salvezhik's Valozhin. The last 40 years. Uh, the first 50 years was a different Valozhin. But uh, the famous Valozhin that we are familiar with is under the Nitziv. Everything was under the influence of the Nitziv. So the Nitziv has a whole introduction to the whole Torah Shabbat He wrote this originally as an introduction to the, his commentary on the Shiltas, but it really has very little to do with the Shiltas. It's really, it's called Kidmas Oemek, the Hagdomet to his Haimek uh, Shaola, his commentary on the Shiltas. And uh, he originally printed the Kidmas, his commentary on the Shiltas in three volumes. So he wrote the first third of the introduction and the beginning of the first volume. Then he continued when he printed the second volume of the Shiltas. He wrote the next section of the introduction. And then he, when he published the third volume of the Shiltas, he published the third, the concluding installment of his introduction to the Torah Malpeh. Now, when they print the Shiltas and Eretz Yisoma, Sadarav Kuk prints it, so they put all the three parts together. It's a little humorous why he has the first introduction. Why did he have three different introductions? It's really one long introduction that was printed originally in three different installments. And now they print it all together. So he develops the following idea that uh, what prompted Yoshio Amelech to be gone is the Orem with the Luchas in the basement of the Beis Amigdosh. The Pasuk in gives an explanation, but it's not the explanation that we would have guessed that he was afraid the enemy was going to come and capture the, the original Aseris Adibis which were priceless, it's a, he gives a different explanation. The Pasuk in the end of Parshas Yisrael, uh, in Chumash, Parshas Yisrael speaks about about building a Mizbech and the Beis HaMiglish. The Pasuk, opening Pasuk in Mishpatim, speaks about uh, a Bezden, that a Bezden is judging. So what is the Snichas HaParshas between a Mizbech and the Beis HaMiglish and a, and a Bezden? So Rashi in Chumash quotes from the Tanoim that you have to have the Bezden should be Samach le Mizbech. The Bezin Hagodol, the Sanhedrin, the chief rabbinate, so to speak, is supposed to be located, their office is supposed to be in the Beis Amigdosh, not far from the Mizbech. And in fact, that's where it was for many, many years. That's where the office of the Sanhedrin Hagodol is supposed to be, in the Lishkas Hagazis. The Lishkas Hagazis, the Talmud tells us, was a room, half of which had Kedusha's Azor and half of which did not. And you're not permitted to sit in the Azor. So the Rabbanim had to sit only in the one half of the room. The other half of the room, they weren't permitted to sit because they had Kedusha Sazor. They were so close to the Mizbeh. means they were in the same room, half of which had Kedusha Sazor. What's the significance of having a Sanhedrin some of the Mizbeh? So the Ramban, in his commentary on Chumash, explains that we want that the Rabbonim should, uh, the Rabbonim in the Bezna Godel, should be given a divine assistance to Paskin all of Shilas. And with the Hashras Hashchina from the Mizbeach, and from the Ora and with the Luchas and everything in the Beis Amigdash, they should be in the same room, in an adjacent room. They should have an assistance. When Hashemayim is the Aitav Ishmael to pass them properly, they shouldn't make any mistakes. So the Nitziv explains the Pesach in Debar Yomim as follows. Yoshio HaMelech, there was no secret that the Beis Amigdash was going to be destroyed. There was no chance of, of saving it. In fact, the Pesukim in Torah and the Vim, Anik Suvin mentioned this, that uh, right after the Chet Hamaraglim, 
Moshe Rabbeinu was told Benavua that when they'll, if and when they'll come to Eretz Yisrael and they'll build the base of Migdash, that base of Migdash will be doomed to destruction. It's going to be destroyed. So they knew in advance the first base of Migdash is going to be uh, destroyed. So Yoshua Melech had no chaloimus. He had no uh, idea that, uh, that uh, he had no havim and it wasn't going to be destroyed. And he knew that the Jews would have to go into Golos. And in Golos, they would not have this siyat uh, Dishma. They're not going to be anywhere near the base of Migdash. They won't be able to pass Meshailas just like this. You sit down and you discuss it. And the Talmud has the expression that Tamid HaChachamim and Eretz Yisrael are mani'imim zelozer. Like, like Shem and Zayis. Makel, Makel, Gemara says in the second parak in Sanhedrin, there's a Makel Noam and a Makel Chovlim and the Tamin HaChachamim and Eretz Yisrael are like the Makel Noam. So pleasant. You just, you just sit and you discuss the halacha. And the Psaq comes out that any, no big machlekes. Everything is just uh, easy. Like, like uh, no, the halacha just comes out very easily. So Yoshua Melech understood this is only possible because man, you have a Sanhedrin Samachlan is there. The Jews are going to have to go into Golas, so they're going to have to work hard to figure out a psak. So he wanted to prepare the Rabbanim already in advance. They shouldn't be hit like uh, with a shock overnight. Basically, he was going to be destroyed. They're going to have to develop a new style of Paskin and Shilas. So he took the Kozman, they were still in the Lishka Sagazis, he took the arm with the Luchas, he put it in the basement. So it should be further away from the Sanhedrin, so they'll have to work harder to develop a psak, halacha, on any given case. And this introduced them into this new style, the Luderach Halimud, which was going to be developed later in Golas Bavo. They were going to have to work on Shailas there without, any, without being anywhere near the Aram with the Luchas, nowhere near the base of They weren't even in the Lishkas Agazas. This was the, to prepare them for the ability to paskin. So the Gemara there in the second parakeet in Sanhedrin, when it draws the distinction based on the Pasuk and Nabi, draws the distinction between Tamina Chachamim and Eretz Yisrael, who have this divine assistance because they're close to the base of Migdash, they have this tremendous Yaita Rishmaya, the Pasuk and the Shailas in a very easy, uh, pleasant fashion, Makal Noam, um, as opposed to the way Tamir Chachamim and Bovel uh, come up with, uh, with uh, Maskana. They argue and they fight, and they, one generation they pass them like this, the next generation they pass them forget, then the next generation they pass them back again, back and forth, back and forth. There are Shilas in recent years that have changed back and forth. Certain Shilas and the Chosavelas, other halachas, that before the war it was accepted one way, and after the Second World it became accepted a different way. There are many issues. Before Ramayushet Feinstein was one way, Ramayushet Feinstein got everybody to go the other way. Now Ramayushet passed away a long time already, so it's going back the other direction now. Many Rabban. There are many issues, contemporary issues, but for many years that was like that. This was all because of the fact, as the Gemara says, commenting on the Pasuk and Echo, the Machshakim Hoshivani Kimesei Olam. So the simple meaning of the Pasuk is that the Rabbanu Shalom has put us into a dark dungeon, like, like dead people are uh, buried in the ground. So the Boshom sent us into Golas, and, and it's a, a terrible dungeon, even though we're still alive, but we're like Mason. That were in this dark dungeon. So the rabbis of the Talmud have a comment, Zu Talmud That Pasuk in Eicha is a description of Talmud Babli. So it sounds like Talmud Babli is giving a derogatory comment on Talmud Babli. So the Talmud Babli is terrible. It's like uh, dead people in a, in a grave. It's like in a dungeon that you can't see anything. You're tapping on the walls because everything is dark. You can't figure out what's going on. That's a description of Talmud Babli. It's so terrible. So the commentaries explain, no, that's not what it means. That's what the Nitziv explains also in the Haggadah to the Shiltis. Because in Bavel there was the Machshak Mahoshivani, they were so far away from the base of Migdosh, they didn't have this Yaita Rishmaya that they should come up with a Psak just uh, with a divine assistance, with a, with a form of Ruach HaKodesh. So they had to work hard on, on figuring out the Halacha. 
So that's why if the Machigir Bamola Shalter and Pilpa Shalalocha, that's why they came up with a Psak that was a knockout Psak that was a good Psak. It's not a derogatory comment because there was Choshech, there was Cheshkaz Bozel, so that's why they had to develop a different style of Psak Alocha, and they did succeed. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a different Derach Alimud, but you do come up to Maskana. So it's because of the fact that there was this Machshakim Hoshivani, they, was far, they were all far away from the base Amigdash, that's why they developed so many different Machloikisin. The halacha was worked out through Machloikisin. And that's why in some generations they would pask in one way, and later generations they would reverse the Psak. And this whole concept of Elu V'Elu, Dibur Kim Chaim, only made sense in the later years. After the Tkufa of, of being Gainiz, the Orem with the Luchas, the whole Beishama with the Bezul, all the famous Machloikisin that you say, Elu V'Elu, Dibur Kim Chaim, this is not from the Tkufa's Baisrishin, it's not from before. This is the whole idea of Elu V'Elu, from the later period. Because there was Machshakim, so that's why there was a different Derech Aliman of Pilpulo Shaltaira. And that's when we came up with so many more Shittas that are contradictory. And each one insisted that his perspective is also an acceptable view. It's also an acceptable uh, point of view. So it's interesting. The rabbis of the Talmud had a tradition. When HaKadosh Baruch wanted to give the Torah Har Sinai, so it says in the Pasuk, Vaisyatsu Bisach Tisahar. The Bnei Israel were, the Poshib Shatis, they were standing at the foot of the mountain. The rabbis had a tradition, Mitach Tisahar means HaKadosh Bokha, so to speak, picked up Harsina above the Jewish people, and he threatened if we don't accept the Torah, he's going to bury us alive, he's going to drop the mountain on Bnei Israel. means, Kofa Aleim Har He forced us to accept the Torah, and the Gemara has even a comment, Mikad Medor Rabbah Le'arai said that, based on this uh, tradition, we can really tie that we don't deserve any punishment for having violated the, the laws of the Torah because it was forced upon us. We never, it wasn't really illegally binding because we never agreed to this uh, commitment. We never really agreed to Kabbalah Satur. So the commentaries on the Gemara, Tesis and all the other commentaries find this Gemara very surprising. What do you mean? The Torah was forced upon the Israel. They didn't accept it out of their own free will. The Torah says that we all screamed out, says that the Jewish people did accept it. But they were forced to say Nasser and Ishma. It doesn't say they were forced. They all screamed out Nasser and Nasser and Ishma. So different Mephoshim give different explanations. And there's a famous comment that appears in the Medrash Tanchume that what they accepted Beratzim was the Torah Shebichsav. And what they didn't want to accept, that was the Torah Shebalpeh. Wasn't Azoi Shlecht what's so bad about the Torah Shebalpeh? What's that? Is that the Trillin have to be black? Is Torah Shebalpeh? The Trillin... Uh, so what's so bad about that? Tefillin have to be square as Torah Shabbat Peh. So what's the difference? You have to wear Tefillin. The Tefillin have to be black. The Tefillin have to be square. What's the difference? The Poshet Pshat is, the Halachas L'Moshe Misina didn't bother them. But there's another, that's part of Torah Shabbat Peh. Halachas L'Moshe Misina and Tefillin have to be black. Tefillin have to be square. What bothered them was a different thing. You have so much rabbinic input into the Torah Shabbat Peh. You have a concept of The Rabbi Shalom leaves it up to the rabbis in every generation. They have tremendous power. And, uh, and they express their opinion based on their perspective. And we know that there are other rabbis who have a different perspective. We know that in earlier generations there was a different perspective. And Halacha still says that what my rabbi says in my generation is binding. Why? But it's supposed to be a Torah and Hashemayim, God's Torah. So the God, the Torah Shebichsav, which is the Bani Shalom's Torah, or the Halachas of Moshe Misinai, the traditions that date back all the way to the days of Moshe Rabbeinu, no, no, Moshe Rabbeinu got it Hasinah. So we're not going to argue. But the rabbinic input that the rabbis, not only talking about Dinim de Rabbanu, talking about Dinim de Rais, the biblical laws that were developed by the rabbis in later generations, in every generation. But Moshe Feinstein developed Dinim de Rais in his firm. 
He developed new insights that until his generation were, were not uh, assumed like that. New insights in, in Dinam Daraisa, and uh, even in Dinam Daraisa, the insights of the Rabbanim, the rabbinic input is binding in every generation. So that's what B'nai Saul are not so enthused about. We should be makabal, we should be kafuf to what the rabbis have to say. Mechitesa, what do you need that? So the rabbis of the Talmud say that uh, for many generations the Jewish people never really, the Torah Shabbat was forced down their throat. They never really accepted it, but until generations later, in the days of uh, the ne- after the Nes Purim occurred, so then the rabbis of the Talmud had a tradition, Kimu Kiblu, Kimu Mashi Kiblu. By that time, they decided to accept again the whole Torah Shabbat Peh. The Torah Shabbat they always accepted Baratzon. But acceptance of the Torah Shabbat Peh Baratzon, that was in the days of Nes Purim. So that's why it's interesting. The rabbis of the Talmud point out that the book of Esther is one of the 24 books of the Kisya Kodesh. The Gemara has a dispute among the Tanoim and among the Amoroim whether Esther, whether are there 23 or 24 books in the Tanakh. The accepted opinion is Esther is Nikhta Baruch HaKodesh. There are 24 Svarim in the Tanakh. And Esther is part of the Tanakh. But nonetheless, Esther was the last book to be included. And it has one leg out of the Torah Shibuchsav. The Talmud has an expression, a din, in the first parak of Megillah, that the book of Esther is Nikris Sefer, the Nikri Sigeris, on the one hand, has a status like a Sefer. It means it's part of Torah Shebiqsav. But on the other hand, it's not the same as the other 23 Svarim. There are certain Kulas that are uh, mentioned by the Gemara with respect to the Ksiva. If you have Rov of the words are written and a Miut of the words are missing, so it's a special Kula Megillah Sester that is good because it's Nikri Sigeris. And the Gemara has another Kula regarding the Tzviris, how you sew it together. And the, all, the, all the other 23 Sifriyat Tanakh it would be possible. It's part of t- all the other 23 are, state, are straightforward Torah Shabbat and Megillah says the semi Torah Shabbat and semi Torah Shabbat Pes have certain certain coolers. So it's still part of the Kisya Kodesh, but it's not fully. It has certain in a certain sense, it's considered Torah Shabbat because it was on that occasion after the Nes Prim that Bnei Israel accepted to get anew the Torah Shabbat Pes. But Sof the story of Purim, is incorporated into the Torah Shabbat. So the Talmud has a comment in the Gemara in uh, Yuma, commenting on it, that parak in Tehillim. Keli, Keli, Lama Zaftani. So that parak, that's the chapter that we recite, that's the Shir Shalyom for Purim. And the Talmud explains that the Psukim, it wasn't written by Esther Amalka, it was written uh, way before. It was incorporated into the, into the Tehillim that was uh, completed by Shlom HaMelech. So the Kapitel in Tehillim was uh, composed earlier. But it alludes to all situations where uh, we feel as if the Rabbanu Shalom is not helping us out. And it alludes also to the incident of uh, the story, the background of the story of Purim. So the opening Pasuk in that uh, perikantilim is, So the Gemara says, just like the morning star is the end of the whole night, that, that is a similar dover that the day is beginning, so too Esther was Nisim, the Nes Purim, was the end of all of the Nisim. So the Gemara asked the Kasha, but it's not true. There was Nes Chanukah that we celebrate a whole Yom Tov about. There was a Nes that occurred after the Nes uh, Purim. So the Gemara says, yeah, what, the, what we meant to say was that Nes Purim is the last Nes that's Nitam Lehikosiv. The Nes of Chanukah was intended that it should be purely Torah It's not supposed to be Torah Shabbat at all. The Nes of Purim is Nikris Seferim and Nikris Sigeris. It's a little bit Torah a lot Torah It's part of Kisya Kodesh, but it has one leg out. It's the beginning of the new kufa of the Torah Shabbat Peh. Not, that, not to mean that, we don't mean that until the days of Nespern there was no Torah Shabbat Peh. There was Torah Shabbat Peh. There were halachas l'moshim Sinai, and there was Torah Shabbat Peh. Also, we have in Mishnai some halachas that were developed during the period 
the Mishnah has Mishkal Mizum Nevish Darish Yahayad Hakain. Yahayad Hakain is the biblical figure in Sefer Malachim. So the Mishnah in Shkalim quotes a psak from Yahayad Hakain based on a Pasuk in Chumash. You have a couple of halachas, but the main development of the Tarash Balpeh was after the Nespurim, after the Anshek Nesses Hagdolo. And that's the expression that appears, an interesting Lashon that appears in Seder Eliyo Zuto. It says, Mishemesu Chagas Chari Malachi, those were the three prophets who were alive at the beginning of the period of the building of the Second Temple. So the expression used by the, uh, by the Seder Eliyo Zuto is, Mishemesu Chagas Chari Malachi, Botlo HaNavuomi Yisrael. That was the end of the period of Nevuah. And then the Kanviyela, from now on, Hat Aznachol Deshmoya Dira Chachom. You have to listen to the Chachomim. Now is the period of the Torah Shabal Peh. There was a period of Torah Shabal That was from the days of Maimed HaSinai until, uh, until Nespurim, until the period of the Anshek Nesagdoyla. And from that period on, Anshek Nesagdoyla is the Tkuf of the Torah Shabal Peh. It does mean that we're not supposed to learn Tanakh anymore. And it does mean that during the period of Baish they didn't develop Torah Shabal Peh. But it means the main emphasis during Baish was more on the Torah Shabal And the main emphasis now, after the Tkuf of the Nespurim, the main emphasis should be placed on the Torah Shabal Peh. Why should that be so? Probably for the following reason. It's usually assumed. Probably for the following reason. The Talmud tells us in the first Perk in Kiddushin that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who created the world, created us with a Yetzirah. And then the Rebbe Shalom says, Barasi Yetzirah, Barasi La Torah Tavlin. The Rebbe Shalom says, I created the Yetzirah. And just like, let's say, you have the world's greatest doctor. And the doctor says, for this sickness, you have to use this medicine. You're going to use a different medicine, the patient is not going to recover. You have to use that for this medicine. For that sickness, you've got to use a different medicine. That's how the Mesilva Sashan gives the marshal. So the Barashan created the world, and he says, Barasi Yetzahara, I'm the one who created the sickness. I know better than the world's biggest doctor. Barasi Torah Tavlin, I, cre- I created the Torah. If a person will learn Torah, this will be the antidote, this will be the medication that will help to cure the Yetzahara. But there are different types of Yetzaharas. So the Talmud tells us that the Yetzahara, during the period of the first base Amigdush, till the days of Dan Shekhnesagdarla was really a Yetzahara. The major Yetzahara was a Yetzahara to worship Abedizar. In the end of Sanhedrin, the Talmud has an expression, one of the Rabbonim says that if we would have lived in that period, one of the Amorim probably had a long uh, kapote, so he says, if I would have lived in that period, I would pick up the bottom of my kapote and run to worship Abedizar. Somehow they had Hanor, they had pleasure. Like people today have pleasure, men run around with other, with other wives, other people's wives. Or uh, people have pleasure eating ham, uh, they eat tray for food. You have Hanoi, you have physical pleasure. So in the days of the Baish we can't understand what this means, it doesn't make any sense today. They used to have physical Hanoi, they used to have pleasure, Hanoi Saguf, from worshipping Avedizar. And the people had such a drive. The Amoira says, if I would have been alive at that time, I would have also run to worship Abedizar. That was the big drive at that time. What happened? What happened to this Yetzirah? How did it disappear? So the rabbis of the Talmud comment on a parsha in Zechariah. Zechariah is the Rashi in his commentary on the Novi Zechariah points out, the opening commentary on Zechariah, this is the most obscure nevuah. Many times we don't understand the chlav, what Zechariah is talking about. And without a tradition, you don't understand a word. So there's a strange nevuah in Zechariah, the way... It doesn't, doesn't even say who. A few people got together and they took the Risha, the evil, the evil spirit, and they locked it up in a box and they got rid of it. What in the world is that all about? So the Gemara says in Yuma, the Gemara Sanhedrin says, that was the Yetzirah of Abedizar. And who did it? Anshik Nesagdol. And the Pasuk, it's unclear. Anshik Nesagdol, how did they succeed? They prayed to HaKadosh Baruch Hu with the Kerech HaTfilah, the Baruch Hu answered their prayers. He was Mavatol, the Yetzirah of Abedizar. 
So today people still worship Abedizah, but not with such a gishmak. It's, it's not like uh, running around with someone else's wife. It's not like eating uh, ham and eggs. Have a hashkofa, whatever, whatever prompts them to worship Abedizah, but it's not physical pleasure. It's, it's, not, it's not like it used to be during the period of the Vais Rishon. So the, and then the Talmud tells us that the Anshak Nesagdala was so excited that they succeeded in being Mavatli Yetzirah Abedizah. So they said, let's go to the next step. Let's be Mavatli Yetzirah Abedizah. So they prayed to the Banishlam that there shouldn't be any such desire at all of Arayas. So the, the prayers were answered. And no animals, no male and female animals would mate at all. And somebody was sick the next day and they needed an egg. And the Talmud says, because there was no desire, there was no sex urge at all, so the hens didn't lay any, any eggs. It has to do with the, with the desire. So the Talmud says the rabbi saw that they made a mistake. That's going to be the end of the world. We won't have any children. The behemoths, the whole world is going to die out. So they prayed to the Rabbanu Shlalem, give us a break, take back. Take back the last tefillah that we offered. Just a little bit. So the Gemara says so the tefillahs were answered. And the Yetzirah of Ish is still with us today. All over. By Orthodox and several Reformed Jewish and non-Jewish alike, everybody still has that Yetzirah, but the Yetzirah for Arayas, for sister, or for Shvigir, or for mother, is much less than it used to be. That's what the rabbis of the Talmud say. So the Talmud tells us that the Yetzirah, the predominant Yetzirah during the period of the Baish until the Tkuf of the Anshay was the Yetzirah of Abedizara. And for that, apparently, Barasi Yetzirah, Barasi La Torah Tavlin, the antidote for that should be Concentration on Torah Shibuchsav. The Iker Limud, there was Torah Shibalpeh, but the concentration was Torah Shibuchsav. As opposed to the Tkufas Baisheni, after the period of Anshek Nesagdol, when they were Mavatl to the Koyachat Filo, they were Mavatl the Yetzahara of Avodazara. So from that time on, from the beginning of the Baisheni, was a different Yetzahara. The Raman writes, and the Mishnah seems to say there was Yetzahara of Apikursis and Minus. The Mishnah tells us in Brochus, that in the Beis Hamikdash, whenever they said a bracha, shahakon libedvar, hamotzi lechmanot, whatever, whatever they were saying, asher kedushan bikedushas shalom itzivanu alachilas b'sar hachatos. Whenever they would eat, they would say shahakon and say brichas hamitzvah eating b'sar hachatos. So they wouldn't just say the brachas the way we say. They would say baruch Hashem min ha'olam liyad ha'olam. They would bless Hakadosh Baruch Hu in the world min ha'olam. And then the Mishnah says, Mishikil Kalu Haminim, from the time that the Apikursim were Mekalkel, and they, they denied the existence of Olam Abba. they only believed in Olam Azer, so they instituted in the Beis Hamigdash that every bracha should say, Baruch Hashem Min Ha'olam Yad Ha'olam. We praise God both in this world and in the world to come in the Olam Abba. When was that Mishikil Kalu Haminim? When did that happen? So if you look in Tanakh, that was day number one of Baisheni. It says in Nehemiah, when they built the second Beis Hamigdash, so they opened up the Holy Temple, for the high holidays. It says Rosh Hashanah was the first day that they opened up the Baisheni. And then Ezra HaKoyen was a safe. He got the first Aliyah. And it says, he said, Baruch HaShem HaMaruch. He said the Baruch like we say. It's recorded. And everybody was paying attention to the Baruch HaSatera that he said. And the Nusach, approximately what we say, except for this Nusach. He says, Min ha'olam ha'olam. He's already praising God in this world and in the world to come. And the Mishnah says, that was Mishikil Kulu HaMinim. When the Minim started tumbling started dancing and they didn't believe in Adam Abba, so that's when they had to change the text. That was on the first day of the period of the Baisheni. So apparently the Kilkal of the Minim, the Kilkal of the Tzedukim, the Tzedukim is the whole Baisheni, that they denied the, the Torah Shabbat Peh. But the Kilkal of Minus and Apikursus, apparently that substituted for the, for the Yetzirah of Abba Dezor. So apparently the antidote for that Barasi Yetzirah, Barasi La Torah Tavlin, each Yetzirah, each sickness needs a different uh, medication. 
So if the disease is a Yetzirah of Abba Dizar, so apparently the main medication is the Torah Shebich If the disease is Minus and Apikursus, so apparently the main medication is going to be the Torah Shebaal Peh. So this is why the Torah Shebaal Peh was emphasized more after the period of Dan Sheknesis Agdoilu. That's the expression that we mentioned from the Seder Oilam Zuto. It says, Mishimesa Chagat Chamalach Botlo Hanavua, that period of Torah Shebich ended. You have to pay attention to the Chachamim. Main learning now should be Torah Shabbat Peh. That was the one reason, because it was a different Yetzirah that was present then. And the other reason was, because after Nes Purim, they were Makabal of the Torah Shabbat Peh. Originally, the Torah Shabbat Peh was forced upon them. They weren't interested in, in, in that. And after the Nespurim, they accepted the Torah Shabbat Peh Beratzinsa. Once they accepted Beratzinsa, it's possible to develop even more and more. So that's why we usually assume that the whole period of the, of the Anshik Nesagdola from that time on is the Tkufa of Torah Shabbat Peh. It's interesting, we have an expression, Ishmi Piyishad Moshe Rabbeinu. We have a tradition, Ishmi Piyishad Moshe Rabbeinu. The Rambam in a few places has the following expression, Ishmi Piyishad Ezra Va'ad Moshe Rabbeinu. Very striking motion. Means that that was a major turning point in the Masar of the Torah Shabbat Peh. From the days of Moshe Rabbeinu till Ezra, the main emphasis was on the limit of Torah Shabbat And from the days of Ezra, Ezra was from the Anshik Tensagdolo, the emphasis was really on the Torah Shabbat Peh. The Gemara in the second Perak and Sanhedrin says that uh, based on Lushonis of Psukim and Ezra, the Barashlam really. His original plan was he wanted to give the Torah to Ezra HaSaifah. He was the one who was fit. But Moshe Rabbeinu he gave the Torah earlier. But to, de- to demonstrate that really the Rabbanu wanted to give the Torah originally, the original plan was, what, the, what does that mean? He wanted to give it like Ezra. So that's why the Rabbanu Shalom at that time changed the Ksav of the Sefer Torah. Instead of the old script that they used to use for the Sefer Torah, so in the days of Ezra when they came back to Eretz Yisrael from Golda's bubble, so they switched the alphabet of the Sefer Torah to Ksav Ashuris. That's the that the script that we use now for the Sefer Torah, Sav Ashuris means Ashur, the, the alphabet that came back from Ashur from Bovel. So the fact that the Rabbani Shalom made a miracle on Hanukkah to satisfy the opinion of the Tanoim whose view was not going to be ultimately, ultimately accepted. We don't pass them like that. That's what the Beis Yitzchak writes. He says, we passed that the Shem and the Beis Hamikdash Bechalam not Mekabotum. So there's no need for a miracle at all. If the story would happen now, the Rabbanu Shalom wouldn't bother to make a miracle, not because we're not Roy. Even if we'll be Roy, you don't need a miracle. The Shem and the Shem is simply not Mekabotum. But because in the days of the Hashemunayim, that was the accepted opinion, and the Chachamim in every generation have the right to develop the Torah Shabbat Peh, they were given authority by HaKadosh Baruch to develop the Torah Shabbat Peh the way they understand it. So that miracle demonstrated the Kayach of the Torah Shabbat Peh. Demonstrated this idea, brought to, the, brought to the attention of the Balabatim, this concept, especially when a generation or two later the Psak was reversed. And then they looked back in retrospect and the Rabbanu Shalom made a miracle because the Chachamim in the later Tanoim reversed the Psak, despite the fact that the Rabbanu Shalom made a miracle. They don't care. The Rabbanu Shalom made a miracle because that was the accepted opinion at that time. They did the Nisach Hayyim during the 410 years of the first base of English. That was the Psak at that time. Fine. Dovin Amalek, which Shlomo fine. But then, and now under new management, we're, we're entitled 
we're permitted and obligated to express our honest to goodness opinion. We read the Pesukim differently. We hold you have to do Nisa Hayayin differently. And every generation, the Chachamim, with, uh, with a little limitation here and there, the Chachamim have to look into the, into the Torah and come up with their honest to goodness opinion of what they think the Halach is. And then you say, then you apply the principle of Elo V'Elo Divrilakim Chaim. So this is why it's usually uh, traditionally assumed that Chanukah is the Yantif of the Torah Shabbat Peh, because it was demonstrated at that time uh, this concept of It's interesting, what was the purpose of the nest of the Pach Hashem? So gave Alpi uh, Hashkafe, he gave an idea before. I was very moved by the talk, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, there, is another, there is another idea in the nest of the Pach Hashem that seems to appear in the Navi Chagai. When they were building the second temple, so the Psukim saying Chagas Chaim Alachi, the three prophets who were alive at that time, as well as in Ezra Nehemia, the Psukim say that um, there were many old timers who realized that this doesn't compare to the first base Amigdush at all. And they were crying. They said, This is nothing, this is Ka'ayin. What kind of base Amigdush? There's an imitation base Amigdush. Rabban Shalom said, No, no, I want you to build me the base Amigdush. I will feel honored. The Ertzabobi Kovdo. We have an expression, Ritzon Shalodim Zehu Kvodo. It's based on that passage in Chaga. The Eretz above, the This is my desire, and I will feel honored if you will grant my wish. This is what I want, and give me the covet of doing what I ask for. Eretz above, Yikavda. This is the Rebbe Shlom's desire. Build me the Beis Hamikdash. Yeah, but it was missing the Shechina. Everything was missing. So what kind of a Beis Hamikdash was it? So the Navi tells Bnei Yisrael, No, take it easy. I'm going to cause a tremendous miracle to occur during the period of the Second Temple, which will demonstrate to you that there is a Hashra Sashchina. Because after all, you can't have a Beis Amigdash if there's really no Shechina. So that's not a Beis Amigdash. Beis Amigdash means the Beis Hashem, the home of God. The Rabban Shalom is Mashur Shechinos over there. So what did the rabbis of the Talmud mean when they said the Second Temple, there was no Hashra Sashchina? It means it wasn't visible. It wasn't noticeable. It wasn't apparent. It was Besaysar. It wasn't the Golay, it was Bitsina, it was the Sesa. But it does mean that there was no Hashwaz Hashkina. If you have a base Amigdash, it doesn't have Hashwaz Hashkina. It's not a base Amigdash by definition. So the Nabi says, I'm going to cause a miracle to occur during the period of the Second Temple, which will demonstrate that there is a Shkina. Don't make a mistake and think that there is no Shkina. No, there is a hidden, a latent Shkina. What's the great, what's the Gedul of having a latent Shkina? No, he says, the Shkina will, uh, will be there the whole time. And it will become apparent and obvious when the third temple will be built. That's how the Nevi'im continued to say. So this idea that there's a hidden Shechina is the idea basically behind the whole binding force of the Torah Shemalpeh. The rabbi gets up and he says, in my opinion, my perspective is like this, and I say the din is like this. I'm obligated to listen to my rabbi. He's only a boss of a dumb. That's why Ben Yisrael didn't want to accept the Torah Shemalpeh Har Sinai. The Kafalim Harkigigas was on the rabbinic input on the Torah Shemal Peh. They didn't want to accept that. Why should his opinion be more binding than my opinion? So the answer is, as the Pasuk says, the Talmud speaks about this, the Pasuk gives the answer, Sod Hashem Li'ereyev. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives a divine assistance to the Talmudic Chachamim in every generation if, if they're bona fide Talmudic Chachamim, if they know what they're talking about. The Rabbanu Shalom will give them a divine assistance to Paskin properly. That they should be Torah. And that's exactly what prompted the rabbis to develop the idea of Eilu V'Eilu Divinu Kim Chaim. How do they know that it's Eilu The answer is, because we assume that when a bona fide Tamachachim expresses his opinion on something, we assume he must have had a Siyayit Rishmaya to come to that conclusion. So it comes out that the Rabban Shalom is talking out of two sides of his mouth. The Beishamai say this way, and we say they had a Siyayit Rishmaya to say their opinion. And they still say like that. They had also a Siyayit Rishmaya. The Rabban Shalom helped them. 
The Barisham gives two different answers at the same time. So the answer is yes. So this whole idea of the binding force of the Torah Shabbat Peh is based on the assumption that even though you don't have an open Nebuah, it's not like Moshe Rabbeinu that Shechina Medaber is It's not even like Chagas Chaim Malachi. Not even by the, like the level of the lower prophets, the Nevi Machreinim, who gave a Nebuah. It's lower than that. It's a, it's a hidden divine assistance, a Pchina of Ruch HaKodesh, sort of. A lower level of Ruch HaKodesh that we call Sayyid Hashem Lirev, that the Rabban Shalom helps the Tamir Chachamim to pass him properly. This whole idea is exactly the concept of the Ba'isheni. The Prophet told B'nai Yisrael, Chagai and Malachi, they both say the same thing. Chagai Zachari, they both say the same thing. The Rabban Shalom is going to make a miracle during the period of the second Beis Amigdash, which will demonstrate that there is a Shechina. Of course there's a Shechina, otherwise not a Beis Amigdash. But the Shechina is, is hidden, it's Betzina, it's Beseser. So that's the whole idea of the Kayach of the Chachamim. There is a Siyayta Rishmai to the Tamir Chachamim. If the bona fide Tamir Chacham, if they're entitled to an opinion, so we assume once in a while they make a mistake, so they do make a mistake, okay? There is a parish in the Torah that the rabbis sometimes make a mistake. We assume they didn't have a divine assistance. They thought they had and they didn't have. But usually we assume that the Psak of the Talmud Chacham is binding in the area of Torah Shabbat Peh because we assume Sarah Hashem Lirev, that the Rabban Shalom is giving this divine assistance. So this is what is traditionally assumed to be the idea behind the Yantif of Chanukah that we call it the Yantif of the Torah Shabbat Peh. That Nes Purim is the Soif Kol Anis Mishin Nitnu Lehikasev and the Nes Chanukah the Rav did not want to be included in the Kisvi HaKadosh. It's not part of the Torah Shabbat Peh. No, it's a Yantif. It's not part of the Torah Shabbat Nes Purim was the beginning of that period of the Anshik Nes Agadah, the beginning of the Tufa of, of the second base on English. But the Nes Chanukah was already towards the end, in the middle, towards the end of the Baisheni. That's when they were deep into the development of the Torah Shabbat Peh. So it's considered the Yontif when we celebrate uh, the Torah Shabbat Peh. And the rabbis of the Talmud have a comment in the first paragraph from Baba Basra on the Pesach in Novi, Gam ki yitnu bagoim ato akapsein, the Rebbe Shalom will give the Gula, he will bring the Gula, v'schus limud ha-mishnayis, gam ki yitnu, loshin mishnayis, when we will learn Torah Shabbat Peh, doesn't necessarily mean mishnayis, when we will place the emphasis on limud Torah Shabbat Peh, will gather us in from, from the Goliath and will bring us back to Eretz Yisrael. This, we live now in the period of the Yitzhahar of Apikursis. We have Abedizor also here and there, but that's very unfortunate. But the main Yitzhahar is Minus and Apikursis until uh, the coming of Mashiach. And to fight the antidote for this uh, Yitzhahar of Minus and Apikursis traditionally is assumed to be the limit of Torah Shabbat Peh. And when we will excel, when we will place emphasis on the learning of the Mishnayis, of the Torah Shabbat Peh, and that's who's, Atah HaKapsim HaKadosh Baruch will bring us the Geulah. We hope and pray to HaKadosh Baruch we should be there soon to see that Geulah. Thank you. Thank you very much.